Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Welcome to the She's Marked Podcast. I'm Hannah, a singer, writer, speaker, podcaster, and certified biblical counselor. I'm honored to be your host along this journey to stronger faith, holiness, emotional restoration and healing, and deliverance for the millennial woman. Join me as we press toward unpacking the heavy luggage of our hearts in pursuit of a life that is distinct, set apart, and built on the practical foundation of God's truth. She is walking in power. She's walking in freedom. Without a doubt, all will know that she's marked. We conclude the five and five week with today's episode entitled In Christ Alone. Before we get into this topic, I just want to thank you all for tuning in this week for the five and five, which was five episodes released in five days. I want to invite you, if you have not already done so, please join the She's Marked mailing list. You can do so by visiting the She's Marked website. You can also do that by visiting the Marked Life blog. Both links will be in the show notes. Also, if you can share the word of the She's Marked podcast by leaving a five-star review, that would be so helpful in getting the word out so that this podcast can be an encouragement and a blessing to others. Please help me by doing so. Those of you who subscribe, I have a free little thank you that I'd like to send your way, a digital thank you. So please be sure to join the email list so that I can send you your gift. So we conclude this week with the topic of In Christ Alone. I opened up today's show with a poem titled Only One Life by C.T. Studd. And this poem is definitely sobering because it puts things into perspective. One of the things that I really aim to do here on the She's Mark podcast is to help with bringing things into perspective, looking at the big picture. I've always referred to myself as a realist. I've always had that type of personality where if I'm given a ton of information, I want to know worst case scenario first, and I don't want the information to be beefed up in any way for me. Just give it to me straight. I'm a direct communicator and I like direct communication. So I love this poem and I'm especially drawn to it because of just how direct it is, how clearly it puts things into perspective. That is also one of the things that I love about scripture and scripture even tells us not to add anything or take anything away. It actually warns us against doing that because the truth sets you free. The truth doesn't always feel good, but truth is not about feelings. Truth is about fact and truth is about outcome. So the truth is not going to always make us feel good. I actually heard it put this way before that the gospel is offensive because it deals with our offenses. The gospel in and of itself is only offensive to us because it deals with our offenses and that never feels good. But I'd rather not feel good and at least know that I have the truth 
than to be warmed and fuzzied and accepted and cozy and comfortable in a total state of deception and lies. I thought it was important to end this week with this topic of in Christ alone to really, really bring everything into perspective. I talked, well, on my on my email lists and in my show notes, I mentioned my purpose behind doing this five and five, helping you to gain momentum for your 2023. The very first episode that was released on Monday was 79 power-packed questions to help set your 2023 in motion. A lot of times when we think about goal setting, when we think about setting our new year in motion, we are thinking of all the things that we desire to accomplish. We're thinking of all the things that we have to do on a to-do list. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are on borrowed time. We can set the goal, but we're not guaranteed to even see the goal through. And even with the goals that we do accomplish, I, I love speaking about a, a realist, um, speaking about realism in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes, well, the whole Bible is just real, but I am also especially drawn to the book of Ecclesiastes where King Solomon just lays it to us straight. He says that this whole life is just meaningless. It's a toiling after the wind and it's meaningless because even with what you accomplish, even with the goals that you achieve, one day you will expire and you leave it to the next person who is free to do with it what they want. So essentially your work can go right to the wayside. I think about when I was growing up as a teenager, my very first job that I got at the age of 14 was at a produce grocery store. It was a mini, mini grocery store. It was a family owned shop and it was a produce stand. And that was my first job that I got at 14. I got that job in May and I turned 15 in June. So I got it a month before I turned 15. And I was so proud to be making my own money. And this particular produce stand at that time had been in business before I was even born. My grandmother used to shop there in the, I don't know, 80s, maybe even before then, maybe even the 70s. I'm not exactly sure of the time frame, but what I'm getting at is that this was a family business. And so I worked there throughout high school. And I'll never forget, after high school, I moved to Virginia for college and I ended up staying there. But of course, I would come home for holiday and I would come home to visit. And I was so shocked when I drove by one day and BNA Produce was closed down. Now, prior to it closing, the owner who was my boss had died. He died maybe about five years before it totally closed down. And he left his daughter, one of his daughters in charge. And you could see the change when she took over. It wasn't negative change, but there was a difference. Now, my boss, Tony, he had worked hard for years. I mean, he worked his hands to the bone and he was established in the community. He was loved among all racial groups. And that was the spot that you went to for your produce. He worked very hard to build that from the ground up. And when he died, all of his hard work, it didn't really account for anything. It went to the care of his daughter. Of course, she brought a new policy, new change. And then within five years, it was gone. 
Now, when I drive by that produce shop, it's bolted up and you would never think that it used to be a booming little produce stand. I want to shed light on the fact and ask you today, what are you doing that will last? 1 Corinthians 3.12 talks about the testing fire. And I'd like to read that. I'm actually going to start in 1 Corinthians 3.11 to 15. And it reads, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I'm not going to get too deep into the nitty gritty of what it means, but essentially it's talking about us as believers being judged. We also will stand before the Lord for every facet of our lives to be judged and what we did for Christ, how we built upon that foundation of Christ. Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation upon which we build our lives. You think about the foundation of a house. It's the strongest part of a house. And so imagine you having the foundation of a house and on top of it, you build a house of gold, silver, and precious stones. Kind of try to visualize that. Then imagine building a house of wood, which many of us are accustomed to. We live on houses that are built with wood. Then think about the house that's built with hay. And then imagine a straw house. Thinking in terms of things that will endure, things that will last when it goes through a fire. Think about the things that can go through a fire and actually last. When you think of wood, it will be consumed within minutes. Hay even faster. Straw, even faster still. So this is a challenge and a reminder to us to ask ourselves, what are we doing? What are we building? What are we aiming for? What is at the root of our why and what we are pushing for day in and day out? Are we looking to build things that will last and benefit only in this lifetime are we looking to build things that will have eternal value? Things that will not only have eternal value in our lives, but eternal value in the lives of those around us. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the true foundation. Our salvation cannot come through ourselves it cannot be achieved through anyone else. It cannot be achieved through good works. It cannot be achieved by good behavior. Even the best, seemingly best of people who have seemingly the cleanest of slates are still born of a sin nature. We are born of a sin nature. And there's no one righteous enough. There's no one good enough. There's no one pure enough to stand before a holy and righteous God. We are all guilty. 
If you think about the Old Testament, you think about the Ten Commandments. How many of the Ten Commandments have you broke? I watched an interesting video recently, and um, a gentleman was talking to people on the street, and he began to ask them about their lives. And it was really intriguing to hear the different perspectives. And one common theme that I heard as I watched that video was that a lot of people genuinely and, and very sincerely believe that they are good people. They do good things. They're law-abiding citizens, which is all wonderful. It's important. Those things are important. But many of them believe that because of their good works, that that would be enough for them to have eternal life. That's not enough because the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Who can know it? So he began to compare their versions of goodness against the Ten Commandments. Now, if you know much about law, which I don't, (laughs) but I do know that a lot of our laws have striking similarities and are built on a foundation of the Ten Commandments. Isn't that interesting? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. And so I think in general, there's a there's a, a general consensus of a moral conscience, a moral code that we all know to be good or bad, good or evil. And the truth of the matter is when we stand and compare ourselves against even just the Ten Commandments, we can never measure up. At one point in time, we've all told lies. Some of us have been thieves. Some of us have been adulterers. Some of us struggle to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. We have been idolatrous. Some of us still swim in idolatry. We may not bow before graven images, but there is idolatry that is in the heart as well. Some of us have used or do use the Lord's name in vain. So, For all intensive purposes, we are guilty. We are in a guilty state before the Lord. And one guilty person cannot justify another guilty person. And good acts can't justify guilt. That's like standing before a judge and and you're standing before him because you've committed a crime, but you're saying, well, I paid all my taxes this year and I, I held the door for everyone that, you know, walked behind me. But that doesn't justify the crime. You can't get off of your case because of your good works. You're being judged for your guilt. And so for that reason, we receive the precious gift of a sinless Savior who came to earth and then gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. He paid a debt that he didn't owe. And then on top of that, he conquered death. There is no other God, no other esteemed person, no other esteemed name, no other esteemed prophet that has walked the face of the earth that is not still in the grave. Jesus Christ is the only one who rose from the grave and he gave himself willingly for you and for me. Jesus says in the word, I am the way, speaking of himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. Why? Because he poured out his blood for us. He poured out his atoning blood for you and I so that we could be clean, so that we could be redeemed for the debt that we owed. Salvation literally means saving, help, redemption, deliverance, means of escape. 
As I said, there was no other person sinless, no other person righteous, no other person who defeated the grave, no one but Christ alone. So in all of our getting, in all of our doing this year, remember that it is in Christ alone that we live, we move, and we have our being. And only what's built in Christ will last. My dear listener, I charge you to build your treasure in heaven. While you work here on earth with your hands and your minds, with your skills and your strengths, never lose sight of your eternal destination. Never lose sight that it is literally the living God who is sustaining you. He's sustaining the very breathing that you're doing right now, that I'm doing right now. He's sustaining our very heartbeat. He is in much more control than we even realize. We are in control of nothing. And lastly, before I close, I want to say this, that in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The biggest part of what we do is faith. We believe. We confess and we believe. Now, of course, after you confess and you believe, You are born again. You are made new. But there is also a lifestyle that must happen. And it is the Holy Spirit that equips you and empowers you as you spend time with him and as you abide in him. He is the one that equips you to live holy and righteous before a holy and righteous God. He makes you new regardless of what your past is, regardless of the places that you've been, the things that you've thought, the things that you've said. He makes all things new. If we cry out to him, if we look to him, if we in sorrowful repentance realize that our ways are no ways, his ways are yes ways. If we forsake ourselves in that manner, If we pick up the cloak of humility and we say, Father, I need you, and we truly realize the error of our ways, Jesus is ours. An eternity spent with him is ours. A life of hope and joy and newness and power here on earth is ours. Your life will never be the same. I begin with the poem by C.T. Studd, Only One Life, And I will now conclude with the full poem. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. 
bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life of few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it for today, but the journey continues. Visit She'sMark.com for more episodes, to make a donation, or to check out the Mark Life blog. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, tell a friend, and consider leaving a review. Remember, the word tells us that many are called, but few are chosen. As you go through this week, remember to walk as children of light.
ladies, until next time.